are Locked On NBA, your daily NBA podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to your favorite day of the week. I'm Anthony Irwin. I'm joined now for the second time by Adam Matas. Adam, do you think this will be better than yesterday's show? There's no chance. Yeah, this is <laughs> this is one of those. We, we had one of those nights last night with the uh, recording doing all of, all of the hiccuping and everything. So now we have to fake it. I mean, I would never fake it with you, Adam. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds so weird. Let's move on. Let's get, let's get to Thursday night's action. So that's and what action. we're going to do. That's how yeah. we're going to start the show, by taking you guys around the league. Last night, there were three games. The Lakers beat the Bucks. The Pelicans lost to the Jazz. And the uh, Knicks beat the Warriors. So that's how we're going to start today's show. Second segment, we're going to dive into some either-ors that Adam has chosen uh, oh. for us to have a little bit of fun with. And then uh, finally... I still think there are going to be the same amount of fireworks talking about power this this list of power rankings uh, as we had last night. So that's actually the one I'm least concerned about. Uh, Adam is going to take us through his list of MB, MVP candidates uh, to this point in the NBA season. All right. So let's start with the first game of the night. The Lakers beat the Bucks 113 to 106 in Milwaukee. Uh, they remain... Uh, they have yet to lose two games in a row. The Bucks do so for the first time. LeBron goes for 34, 6, and 8. Uh, and Giannis goes for 25, 12, and 3. And the Lakers just continue to take care of business, almost regardless of, of who they're playing against. And, and despite it, it, they never really looked that intense in this one. It was, it was kind of wild <laughs> to watch. But they just shot the ball incredibly. Uh, it's it, I think that is a big part of it. Of course, the, the Lakers finished the game shooting 46.6% from the field, 51.4% from three, 19 of 37. Yeah. So they were absolutely on fire. But the Lakers have looked casually dominant is the word we've used to describe them. Um, they've, they've looked like they're in second gear or third gear and still crushing everyone, including the Bucks last night. But to me, the guy that I think is worth highlighting in this game and really kind of highlighting for the Lakers season, of course, LeBron has been great. Uh, of course, Anthony Davis has been great. Even if you think he has not been great by his standards, he's still great by, uh, you know, a second Most fiddle standards, <laughs> by a second fiddle standard <laughs> standards. But I think Contavious Caldwell Pope to me is the guy that that really stands out. And last night he goes seven of 10 from the three point line. 70% on 10 three-point attempts. And it's not that far off of what his season average has been. He has been a guy that really has settled into a role alongside LeBron. And um, he's just he's just playing great basketball. Yeah, those seven of 10 three-pointers uh, counted a half-court heave. Um, it was like a, <laughs> a few steps in from half-court. And he put like a really nice stroke on it, went through the basket super clean. He's just shooting the ball that well, that com confidently. And he has so much time to shoot. Like that's the thing that really throws me off is this guy's shooting 50 plus percent from three point on, from three point range on the season so far this year. And teams, because of how good the Lakers are all over the court offensively, they those teams don't really have any choice but to hope that he regresses to the mean at some point. It, it's probably going to happen. I don't think he's going to have the greatest shooting season in the history of basketball. But right. where he falls on this, I, I'm not sure how far he's going to fall because he's getting such wide open looks so consistently. Well, cool. here's the thing, though. And this is, uh, I think, true of whenever you play alongside LeBron, you know, people, people talk about, oh, man, they've got some great role players. 
Well, part of that is when you have great stars that demand so much <laughs> attention, role, uh, role players, players yeah, the role players have a very simple job. And if we look at it, Alex Caruso actually shooting better than Contavious Caldwell Pope. Alex Caruso, 57% <laughs> from the three-point yeah. line. Contavious Caldwell Pope, 56.9%. Uh, Kyle Kuzma, 40%. Wes Matthews, 40%. LeBron's at 40%. Marcus Saul's at 39%. So you got a lot of guys that are shooting the ball really well. And you're right that it will they will go through uh, dry spells. I mean, it just happens with every team over the course of a 72 game season, but um, you just have so many guys that are comfortable and th- the game is coming very easy to them right now. Yeah. Next game on the docket here, the Utah jazz uh, beat the new Orleans Pelicans 129 to 118 winners of seven in a row. I believe Utah is yeah. and, and uh, just playing some really, really good basketball, no matter what Shaq says about it. Uh, I, I, <laughs> I walk away from this and and on one hand, it's really easy to look at the Pelicans and say, man, that's a really sad team. But but I do want to highlight how great Donovan Mitchell was in this one. 36 points, seven rebounds, five assists, uh, I believe six of 10 from three point range and six, and six of eight, six of eight. <laughs> it's insane. <laughs> uh, and, and and, you know, every time the, the Jazz needed a big bucket in and it wasn't too often that they did, but but he was getting great looks whenever he wanted. And it, it was just really fun to watch him play the way that he did. The Utah jazz as a team, really just getting whatever they wanted in this game, 129 yeah. points. Um, you know, they started out down 43 to 31, and that just shows you how dominant they were from that point going forward. Yeah. Um, but Donovan Mitchell opened this game just absolutely on fire and didn't really ever cool off, but he opened this game, I think making four or five uh, in a row, including some really tough threes. And he just looked fantastic and has started to come. He had a slow start. He was slow out of the gates this season. But over the this, this stretch that they're on, the seven-game winning streak, he's really looked good. I think the Jazz are the third-best team in the Western Conference. I think they're hmm. – I, I, you know, yeah. so much attention is on the Lakers and, of course, the Clippers, high profile. But I think if you look at the next team sort of in line, it's them. And over the course of the seven-game win streak, they have wins at Milwaukee, at Denver, uh, at Cleveland, which turned out to be a good win. Who would have guessed that yeah. – you know, I think Cleveland were, were deep enough into the season to say they're at least a, you know, a tough team. The guy, though, also that I think deserves mention from this game is Mike Conley, who, mm. you know, he was the story last year joining them and, and OK, he's going to elevate them. And I think last year he did, especially by the end of the season. But starting the season off this year, he really looks comfortable again. There's the chemistry, the, you know, more continuity now with him. He goes eight of 14, was a team high plus 23, gets 20 points, six assists. And it, he just to me, it felt like as much, as great as Donovan Mitchell, what he's given, Rudy Gobert does what he does. Uh, I think Mike Conley is that guy that now sort of pushes them over into that next tier of team, and they just look really good. Their bench is great, by the way, as well. Really, really solid bench. Really quickly before we move on, New Orleans has to figure something out defensively with how they're having Stephen Adams guard the pick and roll. It's so, <laughs> so here's the crazy everybody thing. on islands. <laughs> here's the crazy thing about New Orleans in this game: they shoot. 49% from the field, 44% from the three-point line, they get blown out. Yeah. Those are great offensive numbers, mm-hmm. and it just didn't matter. Um, and their starters, you look at them all in double-digit negatives, just got absolutely obliterated, and and to your point, just couldn't stop anybody. Yep. All right, last one on the on the night. The Knicks go into Golden State and, and win against the Warriors. Super weird game here because the Warriors didn't have Draymond Green for the second half after he was thrown out for – uh, yelling at uh, James Wiseman for not sealing on a post up. Uh, it, it's really tough on this one because the referees apparently told Kerr afterward that they knew that it was a mistake. And and this is one of those spots where you're like, 
So everybody knows it was a mistake. <laughs> everybody yeah. knows what just happened and we can't do anything about it. Like, what, what are we doing here? I do want the record to reflect the Knicks were up, you know, in mm-hmm. the first half. And look, Scored it was just 40 the first half. This first game quarter. would have been completely different if Draymond Green does not get tossed after 17 minutes. But they were down 40 to 31. A lot of, by the way, Anthony, a lot of 40-point first quarters this season. I don't know if you've noticed mm. that. I don't, yeah. I, I don't know if it's the empty arenas. Teams get more comfortable, whatever it is. But yeah, a lot of 40-point first quarters. But yes, Draymond Green gets tossed, and it was absolutely ridiculous. I thought the officiating in the Utah game was silly as well. I think it's worth noting. In mm-hmm. this game, 50 fouls were called, were whistled, and 80 free throws taken in the Knicks Golden State game just a pretty unwatchable game um it was not necessarily a close game uh the Knicks were in control pretty much from the jump and they got big performances for RJ Barrett who's on a little bit of a tear he gets 28 Mm -hmm. points five assists on 10 of 17 shooting and that's now his fifth game in a row of 19 or more points he's you know really starting to look like the prospect many people believed him to be you know starting to put some of the pieces together yep I, I thought this game really kind of showcased the margin for error that the Golden State Warriors are really dealing with here. I mean, they just they have to get a lot going in their favor to win some of these games. And if something just doesn't quite go right for them, especially with Draymond, it, it really throws them off. So I yeah. uh, also wanted to give a shout out to Julius Randle, 16, 17 and nine playing like mini Jokic, I think some have said, I, I you know, I, you, I know you've said that you you have actually said that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to keep saying it too. So shouts to Julius Randle for, for playing the way that he did. He's just been, uh, he's been fantastic this year. He's been really, really good. And, and a big part of why the, the, the Knicks are one of the, the Knicks fans, like favorite teams. I've, I ha- we happen to follow quite a few Knicks fans and they just, they, they love this team. It's, it's really kind of cool to watch that turnaround. That's going to yeah, be a- great for them to be uh, really good in a year with a very, very deep and, and talented draft. <laughs> Every it, it wouldn't be an NBA season if everything fell in the Knicks way. Uh, all right, let's go ahead and move on, though. We're going to take a quick second here. And when we come back, we're going to take you through a few either ors, some scenarios. We're going to try to find out which is the likeliest scenario between the two options that Adam is going to give me. You have a few of those. Uh, but before we get to that, today's show is brought to you in part by betonline.ag. Are you ready for some football? College football heads into uh, bowl season. Well, that's already behind us. The NFL is heading into one of its best weekends, and and the NBA is in full swing. College basketball is in full swing. And if you want to have a little bit of extra fun with any of this stuff, head on over to betonline.ag. And if you sign up for a free account at betonline.ag and use the promo code Locked On, you'll get a fifty percent welcome bonus. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. Uh, just don't forget to use the promo code locked on to receive that 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Also, quick shout out to their social media team. Visit our good friends and exclusive partner at betonline underscore AG to take advantage of the best bonuses in the business. Sign up for a free account. Use promo code locked on one more time for your sign up bonus. Hashtag bet online. Today's show is also brought to you in part by a new podcast that we're doing here at the network. Get more of the sports you need in less time with our new Locked On Today podcast. Peter Pukowski, who also hosts uh, Locked On Packers, I believe, hosts Locked On Today, a daily podcast, breaking down the biggest stories with analysis from our local experts. Start your day with all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes. Subscribe to Locked On Today wherever you get podcasts. All right, Adam, what's our first either or here? 
So a couple either ors, and we're watching LeBron James just casually remain the best player in the NBA. At least I believe so. If, if people want to make a case that he's the second or third best, okay, I'll, I'll be, I'm not going to sit here and argue it because I think those arguments are pointless. But he is easily, in my opinion, a top five player in the NBA. Yeah. That one I think there is no debate about. Mm-hmm. Do you think it's more likely LeBron is no longer a top five player in the NBA by the end of next season? Or that he is a top five player by the end of five seasons from now. Because I have no idea when this when he starts to drop off. It's not now. I'll tell you that right now. Yeah, I I have to go with the latter. You think? You, I, you have to. Because, so, you just said a second ago, he is undeniably in the top five discussion, right? He'll be, he'll be 45 years from now. <laughs> it's crazy. But, we're, like, we're watching a 43-year-old Tom Brady Head sure. into a conference finals in, in the NFL. Uh, and oh. he's going against, you know, Aaron Rodgers isn't exactly a spring chicken either. So it might just be that we have to redefine the, the, yeah. the decline of some of these athletes, especially the ones like LeBron. Not only is he just tre- tremendous on the basketball court, but every single person you ask about him says he is absolutely militant about staying in shape and taking care of his body. And, and all of these things. And so, and, and it, and it just shows it, he played 38 minutes last night, Adam, the last play of the game was a dunk where yeah. you're staring at the rim. This is incredible. This is just unbelievable. And, and even if he just slightly declines, he's so smart. He's so skilled that I, I you have to just think he'll be able to have kind of top five impact longer in this hypothetical than, than, you know, next year, he would just fall off injuries, notwithstanding. And we'll knock on wood on that one. So it's always been that you get smarter at a steep incline as you go through your career in whatever sport it is. You get, you know, just a better IQ and that you get less athletic as you go through it or, you know, you kind of peak and then and then you start to decline. Well, that decline, the athletic decline has been so slight and marginal. That mm-hmm. slope is so tiny. Like he is not as athletic as he was in 2009. I think that might have been his athletic peak. He's not as athletic. No. He's not that far off. He's still, <laughs> as you, to your point functionally athletic enough to get around guys, dunk over guys, go through guy, overpower, do all these different things. And his mind, not comparable to where he was in 2009. And he was always a guy that had great vision, but mm-hmm. the way he sees and understands the game right now. And every year he just keeps adding to it. He's Einstein and he's still 95% of whatever it was that he was athletically. <laughs> I happen. I think I'm going to agree with you. I think five years from now, I'm not saying he will be a top five player in the NBA five years from now, but uh, I thought his decline was imminent, you know, any day now Mm -hmm. it it was going to happen. I just, I can't picture one year from now, him not being one of the five best players in the NBA. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. It's crazy what he's doing. All right. What's your next hypothetical here? So we watched the Pelicans. These are all have to do with the teams we watched tonight and and Mm -hmm. one from each game here, but we watched the Pelicans just look terrible. And part of why they look terrible is Lonzo ball, the former second pick overall, with all of the hype, part of what I was told was the best young core in the history of the NBA. The Lakers had the assembled the greatest young core. Not sure who um, would have told you that. I'm not sure who said that. I mean, you um, think about it though. They had, you know, a I'm young... not going to think about it. I'm not going to think about it. Nor am I going to talk about it. But Lonzo Ball, <laughs> do you think it is more likely five years from young now? future Jokic? Of course, that's like a great young core. I don't know what the problem is. Here. <laughs> Lonzo, five years from now, is out of the NBA entirely. Or do you think he is a starter on a playoff team? Meaning, like, if you're a starter on a playoff team, you have to be doing something right. And right now, he's not really doing too many things right. 
so I'll put this differently than I did last night. If you're if you're a starter on a playoff team, the thought is that you have probably like if it if it's a good enough team to be a playoff team, yeah. some version of that core has been there for a long time. And how often do you see those playoff cores uh, feature a brand new point guard who is a reclamation project? That just like yeah. that doesn't really happen. And then so that's one that's part of it. The other thing too is. I just don't know how his play at this point lends itself to that kind right. of success. He's right. just, he's, he's shooting the ball 28% from three point range on seven attempts a game. You could tell when he's shooting these shots that he's like in the back of his mind saying, crap, I have to, I have to shoot this. He's having these, you know, kind of freeze freeze frame moments where you, you hear the record scratch freeze frame. Here's how I got in this point when he's getting ready to shoot a <laughs> wide open three, like it, right, right. it's crazy. And, and, and I just don't know, how that improves in, in, in any real sustainable way. So if you're not a, you know, like a high level player, either a star, a second star or a third, third fiddle, if you're not one of those three guys on a playoff team, you Mm -hmm. usually have like an elite skill. You're the spot up shooter or you're Mm -hmm. the lockdown defender or rim protector or something like that. Like that's your role. Mm -hmm. Lonzo is more of a Swiss army knife in that he's not great at any one thing other than passing, but mm-hmm. he's not like a great pick and roll or, or, you know, this type of passer. He's more of just like a, a open court transition, swinging the ball type passer. So he doesn't have that one elite skill to make him a great role player, in my opinion, to fit in alongside another playoff team. And that's what makes it tough. That being said, I do think he still has a lot of value in terms of he can do a bunch of things. And there is this like hump that he could get over that every day that goes by that he doesn't becomes less likely that he does get over that hump. I mean, players have to like grow young players have to grow into what they're going to become. And he just seems to be growing in the wrong direction. And part of this, I do think is sort of the fit and construction of that roster because he is shooting more threes per game than ever in his career and making fewer than ever before in his (laughs) career. He's assisting less than ever in his career. Like the, the, you know, the way the style of play that New Orleans is trying to work towards, I don't think lends itself to, to his skill set. And that's why I think the writing is very clearly on the wall for him not to remain in New Orleans beyond this year. And that makes me think beyond the trade deadline. The question is, what teams really want him? Because I look around and I go, you know, a team like the Warriors that moves the ball, plays smart, I think he could that could be a good sort of reset for him. Mm-hmm. A team like the Spurs, I think, can use him at the right price. You know, I, he's no longer a star. He's no longer expected it's funny to think he's in a rookie contract but as a number two pick it's a pretty healthy contract yeah he could probably go down next year he'd probably make less money next year um but you know a team like san antonio i think could maybe work uh you look at miami and that culture maybe they could you know toughen him up i think part of this is that you're talking about the record scratches i think it's confidence Mm -hmm. so there's a few landing spots the problem is i don't think he's going to wind up there um, and, and so that's not, if I was pressed, I would say out the league in five years, but I don't think that's, that's true either. I think neither of these possibilities are going to happen. Yeah. I, I would agree with that. And, and by the way, like, I hope that he proves us wrong. Like when, 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 when I don't believe in a player, I hope that it's eventually the player makes me look really stupid. It's just to this point, he's made me look really stupid because I believe in him at one point. Oh, I still do. I'm the last guy on Lonzo Island. And look, I, I told you this the other day. The yeah. reason I'm not leaving is because the, the land is no value. It has no value. There's no point in selling my stock at this point. I'm literally just gonna, a I'm, sunk cost. Like, uh, I'm just yeah, literally a sunk cost. Is I'm, I'm just going to sit here and drown. But 
you know, I, for the longest time I've wanted him in Denver, I think I probably part of this is Denver has a lot of good guards and they're, they're, you know, as much as I would love to see him in Denver, I just don't think it makes sense anymore. But, um, you know, I, I, I root for him too, because he does have a neat skill set. It just, we're four years into this. hasn't really grown. Mm-hmm. Um, the last one, the Warriors, are they, and this one's tough. I think again, neither of these are likely, but are they more likely to win a playoff series, meaning make it to the second round, or miss the playoffs entirely? It has to be miss the playoffs. Because even if they make it, they aren't going to be a high seed. And you're talking about, you know, can they knock off the Lakers? No. Can they knock off the Clippers? No. Can they knock off the Nuggets? No. Can they knock off the Jazz? Probably not. I don't know not. why you have the... <laughs> well, I'm just saying, so, like, yeah. I, I, you know, because the only reason I, I list those other three teams there is because, like, they, you know, that's that's basically where I'm thinking that they're going to fall. And, you know, unfortunately, I'm scarred by believing in Utah in years past and, and then, you know, being yeah. hilariously embarrassed. Uh, I, I, you know, so that's where I find myself is that if the, and, and by the way, like, I would probably still bet on the Jazz in that series against the Warriors. So, and, and I don't think they're going to get home court. So that means you're not going up against Dallas. You're not going up against, you know, some of the other teams of the, the Spurs, whatever. You aren't going to go up against some of those teams at the bottom of, of the conference. So if if I don't think they can win a, a series against the teams that they would likely be playing, you have to then say that they're going to they're, they're not going to make the postseason. If you look at, you know, the first two games of the season, losing, getting blown out by Brooklyn, getting blown out by the Milwaukee Bucks, I think that, you know, that set the narrative for them a little bit. And mm-hmm. since then, they've been six and five, I believe. No, eight and five since then. Um, and they have some good wins in their under their belt over the last couple of weeks. They beat the Clippers. They beat the Lakers. They beat San Antonio. They beat Portland. So they have – the thing about them is they've been so hot and cold. I look at it and I go, okay, you're right. I don't think they can beat the Lakers in a playoff series. I don't think they can beat the Clippers in a playoff series. After that, you go into Utah, Denver. Okay, I don't think they can beat them either, but I don't know. Puncher's chance, you know, who knows what happens. Maybe a trade here or there. Um, then you look at teams like Dallas, okay, Maybe, mm-hmm. you know, starting to get a little bit more interesting perhaps. Um, and then you've got teams like Phoenix who right now is in the four seed. Should they remain there? That's a really young and inexperienced team. And, yeah. you know, that's another one that's vulnerable. So I think the Warriors are just so hot and cold. I don't think either of these things are, are going to happen, but I do think they're a playoff team. If we just go through the Western Conference, the teams I can not eliminate from play, yeah, I can pretty much eliminate them. Oklahoma City, New Orleans, Sacramento, Houston, and Minnesota. I just, I think those teams are out. That gives you your top eight. And of the teams in the top, so if you just need to cut two of those out, Portland, just ravaged by injuries this season. Mm-hmm. Uh, Memphis, I don't know if I trust them just yet. San Antonio, okay. Those are three teams that I look at and I say, can the Warriors be better than two of those three? I think they will be. So I think they're in the playoffs and a puncher's chance to knock somebody off. Right, but that isn't the hypothetical we were talking about. That's not the either or. It wasn't make the playoffs. It was. I wooden. said a puncher's chance to to knock somebody off. I, I guess it is a puncher's chance they don't make the playoffs too. So two puncher's chances here. <laughs> Just punching people. <laughs> the the, right. the challenge here is not only would they have to pass those two teams, that gets you to the eight seed, which is almost certainly going to be the Lakers. And yeah, I don't see them beating the Lakers. So they really have to get up to like the six seed before you start to look at teams that are maybe vulnerable to a Warriors run. All right, that's going to do it for our hypotheticals. Here in a second, we are going to take you through Adam's power rankings of MVP candidates at this point in the season. Uh, Last night, 
Jen actually asked me, are you and Adam okay? Um, because, <laughs> <laughs> because of how this conversation went last night. So uh, we'll, we'll, we'll try to bring that same fire in this one. Before we get to that, though, go behind the scenes of the game you love and get all sides of the story with, with the Rejecting the Screen podcast. Each week, Noah Koslov and Adam Stanko get personal while interviewing players, coaches, media members, all the people who make the NBA happen. Subscribe to Rejecting the Screen wherever you get podcasts. All right, Adam, let's try this again and and uh, and and maybe try not to, you know, challenge each other to a duel in this in this version of your power rankings. Well, okay. This is this is largely a new. So here's the thing. People are gonna be listening to this, driving in their cars, doing whatever, and they might get upset. Just don't. <laughs> because power rankings are inherently nonsensical we make it it's a kind of a running go- joke that's why we do these things is we power rank things and it's like guys it's friday talk about talk so much yourselves have fun with us <laughs> but number two even more dumb than power rankings is power ranking mvps 14 <laughs> games into the season all right we're 14 games in we're like what 15% for uh 20% of the way through the season like it, it don't get upset about this this is really just about trying to highlight some guys that have really stood out this year are you, and have been are you great. talking to me I am this? talking to you specifically <laughs> but also to maybe people who are listening to this that uh you know act like you so I have three honorable mentions and this is where we're gonna start the we're gonna we're, we're gonna get things. right off the bat because we're already so popular in Dallas yeah so I've got Kawhi Leonard as an honorable mention I've got Giannis as an honorable mention. I think both of those guys are obviously great players. If you ask me top five players, I think they're both in it. But not in the top five uh, uh, MVP candidates. And then here's the one that's really going to get us. And it's because you last year or last week pissed off the entire city of Dallas by saying Luka Doncic is not a good defender. He is. Mm -hmm. But to me, he's the sixth best MVP uh likeliest mvp at this moment is part of it for the record sure part of it is that part of it is the 28 percent from the three-point line part of it is that he wasn't fantastic the first you know four or five games of the year and when we're talking about 14 that that you know that matters so Mm -hmm. um i think over the last 10 games he's been a top five mvp candidate but the guys ahead of him to me have been great from from start to finish so those are the those are the honorable mentions look me no comment there well if he could if he could defend as well as mass fans oh my god him, I can't then like maybe he would be <laughs> guys at anthony Irwin for this one don't add adam for those defense defense takes you can at me for him being sixth on my list whatever i don't care what's funny um, is like i i cop to being wrong on on twitter i just enjoy annoying mass fans especially Kurt. Well, oh you love that so yeah. number five paul george if you had to, for me you have to pick between Kawhi Leonard or paul george i'm taking paul george in large part 7.8 three-point attempts per game, shooting 50.5%. Absolutely wow. insane. His his numbers are in line with what he does for his career, except for instead he's shooting 51% from the three-point line on extreme volume. I think he's been fantastic, and especially early on in the season, the first you know eight games or so, I thought he was clearly the best player on the Clippers teams over that stretch. So that's why I bumped Kawhi down. I bumped Paul George up and then you know tied for that second-best record, now half game behind the Lakers you know something's going right for them over there number one offense yeah number two offense no tied for number one offense i think he's i think he's been fantastic i think we've seen the story before so hopefully can he can carry it through the entirety of the season and and um but that doesn't yeah i'm sure hopefully i'm sure you're real hopeful for that you know fingers crossed adam i'm just so you know it's 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 the thing that i i stay up at night and pray for every single night is that i Um, hope 
Paul George can prove the doubters wrong in the postseason. But, um, but I think I I think with with what Paul George is doing, and and the shooting is insane. The other part of it too that I find incredible with with how well he's shooting the ball is like some of the the attempts that he's taking are legitimately tough looks, yeah. and they still look fantastic coming out of his hand. So you you enjoy watching. You have to enjoy watching that level of shooting, and then also playing fantastic defense, you know, unlike somebody that we talked about earlier in the show, um, just playing some, some fantastic defense as, as one of the more uh, versatile defenders that the NBA has. Um, number four on my list. And this one might surprise people because the, the recency bias, but it's Kevin Durant mm-hmm. and Kevin Durant, you know, we wondered how he was going to be coming back. He looks to me as good as he has ever looked 31 points. per. It's funny that he's just a casual 31 points per game. You know, you just think about like <laughs> getting anytime any player scores over 30 a game, it's, it's notable. He's getting seven rebounds, six assists. The six assists, by the way, really pop out because I thought, I, I'm a little I'm actually pretty bummed about the James Harden and even him playing along Kyrie Irving because if you think mm-hmm. about his career, he's played alongside high usage guys, obviously Russell Westbrook. Then you go over to Steph Curry and Clay Thompson and all those mm-hmm. guys. And I'm not saying he wasn't fantastic and didn't shine brighter alongside them. But when I watched him play the uh, the, the open the season without Kyrie Irving and alongside high level role players and Jared Allen and Karis LeVert, Joe mm-hmm. Harrison, all, all the players they had. I loved what I saw from KD because he was so clearly the number one, not that he wasn't in Golden State or there, but even more so than we had seen. And it forced him to go deeper into his bag as a facilitator, as, as a shot maker and everything else. And he was absolutely dominant. It was my yeah. favorite version of KD. And I know that with Harden there and with Kyrie there, I I'm guessing you know, some things will probably change for him. He'll, I think he'll still win and be dominant individually, but maybe it lessens it, you know, his MVP candidate candidacy a little bit. I don't know. But what I saw from him, 46.6% from three, 53% from the field, 31 points, just no, nobody can stop him. Nobody can even bother him. He just either makes or misses. So we're recording this uh, on the anniversary of Kobe's 81 points. He's mm. the player most capable of, of doing that again, right? Katie is. I mean, I, I would have to assume so. Yeah, well, he, he gets hot. I, I don't. The thing is, when he scores that many points, his team's gonna be too good. Like, blow I can't out, imagine. Yeah. yeah, I can't imagine him needing eighty-one points. I'd but, still want to see him go for it. Me too. <laughs> he's just—he's one of those players that he—he hits so heartbreaking. Some of the shots that he makes that that pull-up three that he'll hit, oh, where yeah. he kind of has in transition. Yeah, yeah. Yep. It's just—you just, you know it's coming. You know it's about to happen. And there's not a thing you can do about it. You just yeah. gotta hope that that a breeze kicks up and it knocks that ball offline. And and uh, watching him get back to what he was pre-injury has been has been legitimately fun. I I'm with you. I, I wish Harden wasn't there. I wish Kyrie yeah. wasn't there. I would love to see uh, Katie with his team specifically uh, tailored to his skill set. And and uh, it's a very easy skill set to tailor to. To you know, don't get me wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but but just a, a team that is specifically put on on you know around him to to highlight him and make him an MVP candidate. And he's not that. That's not what this team is. I believe there have been six games this season where teammates have scored thirty points in the same game. Uh, mm. Portland did it once. Denver did it once. Uh, the Chicago Bulls did it once. And then three times in a row, it has happened for Brooklyn now. Ever since acquiring James Harden, mm-hmm. twice 
it was Harden and KD. Once it last night, it was KD and or two nights ago it was KD and Kyrie Irving. That might be the thing that happens every. It's a very yeah. rare thing to happen, but it, it might happen every game for the Brooklyn Nets, and <laughs> yeah. it might need to happen. It might um, need, the, yeah, I was going to say <laughs> the way that they defend, <laughs> they, yeah. they they might need three guys scoring thirty. Number three on my list is LeBron James, who I think has been very good on a team that has an this. enormous amount of talent. Mm-hmm. And I think he's 24 points per game, eight rebounds, seven and a half assists. You know, he's been pretty good. 39% from the three-point line. You know, only 48% of all the guys we mentioned today, other than Luca, he's the only guy below 50% from the field, which, you know, efficiency is a little important. But, uh, you know, it hasn't been needed because he's playing along such great players. So AD just I, I'm setting people people that are trying to wonder what I'm doing. I'm setting Anthony up to talk poorly about his own team here. That's what I'm, Anthony I'm Davis. Him here. Anthony Davis admitted last night that he has sucked lately. He has yeah. not been good. Strong and, agree. Uh, I think he has four straight games scoring under 20 points. Either he did that again last night or heading into last night's yeah. game. Half of those are because the team is up by 30 points going into the fourth. Um, actually, you'd be kind of surprised. They lost one of those games too, the to, to Golden State. And and then the other thing too is like you 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 opened up the show talking about the Lakers role players and and the impact that great players have right. on role players. And and I think the Lakers improved three point shooting this year is because it's such a great team at facilitating, and that's 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 starts with LeBron. So uh, it's and, and then also like it needs to be pointed out he's defending his butt off. Like he's, he's playing really hard on defense and uh, I believe is still uh, the league leader in field goal percentage when he's the closest defender to, to the shooter. Uh, if, if I think Gobert might've passed him up, but it's between those two guys. And then, and then, you know, to go from that to also carrying an offense because Anthony Davis just doesn't seem interested in playing to this point in the season. Mm-hmm. He, he gets my vote. Yeah, he. I'm sure. I'm sure he gets your vote. It is the least surprising thing. Yeah, that was that was the that was the finishing topic on Locked On Lakers today. I said that he gets my vote for MVP. So Chicago, they beat Chicago by 20 points. They beat Houston by 20 points. They beat Houston again by 20 points. They beat Oklahoma City by 20 by 30 points. They beat New Orleans by 17 points. I mean, come on, like those games are are blowouts. Of course, Anthony Davis hasn't had over 20 points. Those they've had two close games in their last seven. Um, so and in both of those, Anthony Davis was bad. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> two in a row, two in a row here. Um, number two on my MVP board, Joel Embiid, 26 points per game, 11 rebounds, shooting 60% from two 37% from three, which for him is, is pretty amazing. Um, and then, you know, last couple of games, he gets 42 points. He had 45, a couple nights ago, it, it, including that game winner, um, he's just been dominant, man. I mean, things are starting to come together for him a little bit in ways that haven't before. Um, but early in the season, I think it's interesting that, you know, when was the last time a center got the MVP and he looks like it, Daryl Morey made just a few moves around the periphery, add a little bit more shooting and spacing. And it's really opened things up for him to, to dominate mm-hmm. even more. Yeah. He's another guy, you know, I'm, I talked about KD and, how demoralizing it is when KD has it going. Embiid is so big and so skilled and can shoot and can do all these things offensively to where when he really has it going as an isolation player or when he has it going in the post, um, it's it's just it's impossible not to feel like, yeah, we just got to hope that he misses more often than not. And then the other thing too, he talked about uh, heading into the season that he wanted to come into it in better shape. And he focused a little bit more on his body and, and being uh, more of a professional about it. And it shows 
<laughs> yeah. it's, it's like that's why that's why we've been asking for it for so long it's like like we we know what that impact would have on his body and 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 his overall playing ability and, and it's shown to this point so uh well done on him for getting into better shape like that and and again he's another guy that you know i just hope he he keeps this up because big you know dominant big man play is 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 kind of rare like this uh even though the the next person on your list is also a big uh, this kind of dominance from from that position is just overwhelming in ways that really highlights how versatile you can be in success in having success in the NBA. So the last guy on the list, as you mentioned, of course, it's my guy, but I think it's the appropriate answer as well. Mm-hmm. 25 points per this is Nikola Jokic, 25 points per game, 11 and a half rebounds, 10 assists per game, two seven steals seven. per game. What's that? Seven and seven. What 50? about seven and seven? The, the, his team is sitting at seven and seven. Oh, oh yeah, of course. Okay, and then we're gonna go fifty-seven percent from the field. So, of all these guys we just listed off, the only player with a better effective field goal percentage than him is Paul George on the list. He's leading all of them in rebounds, leading all of them in assists, second only to Kawhi Leonard in steals per game, number one in box plus minus, number one in uh, value over replacement player, number one in win shares, number one in offensive win shares, win shares per per. Uh, 48 minutes offensive box plus minus second and defensive box plus minus literally every statistic you can you can list off for the guy he's been number one and yes the team is seven and seven but anthony let me give you a crazy stat when he is on the court the nuggets are outscoring opponents by seven points per game this is in 33 minutes the nuggets are outscoring opponents by seven when he's off they're getting outscored by 10 which (laughs) means they are losing in the 10 the 15 minutes he sits on the bench by more than he is capable of outscoring them. This has nothing to do with what he is doing when he is on the court. And by the way, the 7-7 seven and seven record in 14 games, the Nuggets have two overtime losses and three more that have come down to the final the final possession. Look, so all I'm hearing, play, he's not clutching in, in close games. That's all I'm hearing. Literally now. the most clutch player. <laughs> he, he's actually 100% on game head shot, <laughs> on go-ahead shots over the last three seasons. But um, yeah, the record, look, I think the record probably normalizes over time. But look, how many times have players averaged a triple double this this deep into the season? It just doesn't happen. And anybody that has watched this dude, I don't. People talk about the defense, this or that. First of all, worse with him off the court, and then second of all, he is fifth in the NBA right now in steals per game, behind Jimmy Butler, Drew Holiday, Kawhi Leonard, and I think Larry Nance Jr. I don't think people would have guessed this coming into the season that him of all people, and actually he's really good at still. He get he, he averages quite a few steals. But the fact that he'd be that high up on the list, he's playing at an insane level right now. And also, here's the craziest stat people don't realize. Leading the Nuggets. Three in, craziest stats. They are crazy. Well, his stats are crazy. He's averaging a triple-double. <laughs> you can only but, have one craziest stat. No, Adam. no, you can have that many crazy stats. But, no, you can have crazy stats, but you can only have one craziest They're all stat. the crazy. They're tied for craziest. Here, here's, the, here's the other craziest one. He is leading the Denver Nuggets in dunks this season. Leading the, <laughs> leading the Denver Nuggets in dunks. God, what is wrong with your Nuggets, man? Why, like, why can't they like be? Well, so they have the number three offense in the NBA right now. Their shooting guard was shooting fourteen percent from three as recently as four <laughs> games ago. And That's their, right their, in his title of what he's supposed to be good at. And their small, and their small forward had the worst field goal percentage at the rim this season. They have somehow a number three offense despite three of their five starters being absolutely abysmal in their efficiency. It's really <laughs> remarkable. Yeah, I just I. I I'm sure if we were to go through 
in the history of the NBA, the number of players who won MVP on 500 teams, it just doesn't, it doesn't happen very often. And yeah, it sucks that, that, you know, that's what it kind of comes down to, but these are power rankings. We react to the games that we've had to this point that the Lakers are far and away the best team in the NBA to this point, And the best player on the best team typically gets rewarded. Their playoff team They're have a guy that is playing at a historic level an absolutely historic level. Those type of numbers you just don't see. Because by the way, 25 points per game. It's not like we're talking about some dude that's like way below. In fact, uh, amongst the players we're talking about, let's see, ahead of LeBron, ahead of Kawhi, ahead of Paul George, ahead of Anthony Davis, tied basically with Luka Doncic in scoring. The guy, it's that's his worst skill. And he and he's up there above all of those guys. I think he's just... I got to I got to put some love on his name. He's not showing up on any of these lists, but to me, anybody that watches him play that they see Larry Bird in him right now. They don't see, you know, Pau Gasol or some of these other big Sabonis or whatever. No, he's playing like Hall of Fame caliber basketball right now. Basketball references MVP tracker has him at 50% odds to win the MVP. I know those odds are not going to be accurate, but it just shows you how far ahead of the rest of the field he is. You know, we're watching from LeBron James right now. LeBron James, who's better than Paul Larry Bird? Like, <laughs> like <laughs> all right. Well, let us know what you guys think about those lists. Uh, the either ors too. I'm interested in your guys' response to that. Uh, fun night in the NBA. Fun uh, season to this point in the NBA. And if you want to keep up with it, not just with your team, uh, you're going to want to tune into all of the Locked On NBA podcasts uh, to this point. Uh, also, special shouts out to the shows that we mentioned throughout this one. Uh, and then Adam and I will be back next Friday to, to pick this up, hopefully a little earlier, so long as Adam's computer uh, cooperates a little bit. <laughs> it's like it, you, you're like the Jokic of this podcast and, and your team can't finish. Like your, your computer can't lift you up and, and help you, you know, continue to be the Jokic of this podcast. I'm just LeBron. I'm just Mr. Steady. My computer works. Have a great weekend, everybody. We'll talk to you guys next week. So long as Adam doesn't murder me. <laughs> <laughs>